curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy, let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Opinions are all over the board about the topic of whether or not live events will return in the same quantity and frequency and in intensity as they had been going on pre-COVID. Once we get everybody vaccinated, what's going to happen? Are we still going to be meeting virtually and interacting with one another in non-face-to-face encounters? Will everybody go back to the traditional trade show, job fair, recruitment strategy that has been the traditional method of attracting and retaining talent and customers? Or will we be forced to try to approach it from a hybrid situation or our virtual events here to stay. So we just put on an event on April 22nd called Referraltopia. That was a all virtual event for small business people here in Southeastern Michigan. Tickets were free to the event and it was attended by over 200 people. And then we actually also had an in-person afterglow at a local watering hole where nearly 50 people showed up in person to uh, relive the energy of the day and to bring some of those virtual connections to life in person. So we wanted to share with all of you who might be considering strategies similar to that for yourself in the days and weeks and months going forward, exactly the ways that we went about doing the blocking and tackling of getting that event accomplished so that if you are considering doing something similar, this might serve as a blueprint for you to be able to follow to a certain degree to be able to bring your own event to life. I was fortunate enough to be joined by Steve Ziskowski, who is the founder of SiriusNet, and Julie Palmer from Goddess Retreats, both who worked very closely with me along with Manesh Baxi in the production and execution of Referraltopia 2021. I think this would be a very interesting and useful discussion for anybody who might be considering hybrid events or in-person or even virtual events going forward. Give it a listen. So ladies and gentlemen in listener land... 
you are faced with a challenge. You want to reach prospects and it's hard. It's super hard to reach prospects right now. People are not giving in-person meetings really at all. And Zoom fatigue is at an all-time high. I think uh, it's, it's almost as uh, contagious as COVID at this point. It's just like, and unfortunately, there's no vaccine for Zoom fatigue. So we find people out there in CirrusNet land who attended a very interesting event that we just produced back on Earth Day, April 22nd. And we thought, what better way to commemorate what turned out to be an incredible hybrid event that we will tell you all about in just a few minutes. But we wanted to take this moment as the three stakeholders of uh, producing and executing on the event, along with our good friend, Manesh Baxi, who was our coach and counsel and guiding Yoda. Hey Mitch, master of the universe helped us make this thing happen. But we pulled it off and there was two, almost 200 attendees that day. We had a full blown exhibitor area with uh, almost uh, two dozen uh, exhibitors. We had live speakers, on-demand speakers, and we did it for not very much money we thought we would want to share the way we did that with all of you out there so that if you're faced with the same situation and you want to bring prospects and clients to your brand, maybe just maybe this podcast might be incredibly valuable in helping that process along. So with me, I have CirrusNet founder, Steve Siskowski. What's up, Steve? Roger, I'm always so impressed at how nicely you say my last name. I know it's a challenge. <laughs> well, you know, I always feel like it's important to honor the relationship by being able to say it correctly, whether it's uh, easy name or hard name. So I won't bungle Julie Palmer's name in the process as Julie and her retreat goddess platform that she's created has been leveraged. And really, uh, we took all full advantage of what Julie had to offer us, didn't we, Steve, when it came to Referraltopia. So Let's talk about the evolution of what occurred. So Julie, how did SiriusNet Referraltopia get started? What, what do we remember? What was the early days of Referraltopia? How did that all play out? Well, Roger, thank you. First of all, I love playing in the same container as both of you. And it actually was a conversation with Steve directly, even before I joined SiriusNet. And it was the biggest reason I said yes to SiriusNet because he was already in the beingness of what he was offering with my membership. And I'm so thankful I said yes. Way back when, this was what, early 2019, I think? Yes, wow. And yeah, prior to the crazy world we're in right now. And he simply said, I've had this concept and I would love to link arms with you and make it happen. And boy, we did. And I know we surprised and delighted everyone. It was an in-person event in 2019. And there were skeptics, but the collaborative exponential power of the two of us, I just, I felt like we made magic that day. And we had enough momentum coming out of the very first event that we counted on some of that magic to translate, but really had no idea because suddenly we're faced with coming up with some virtual solution. And we were starting from scratch, right? Because we knew we wanted to keep this something that didn't have a lot of barriers to access. We wanted a lot of participation and we knew if we invested into some massive technical solution, we'd have to make this a highly paid event. And, and that's not what we're in the business to do. It's not our customer base. We are about the small business person and the entrepreneur. So Steve, you blew our socks off on 2019 SiriusNet Referraltopia and 
we kind of all got bummed out in 2020 because you got me so excited. I jumped in with both feet and here we are, we're ready to rock and roll in 2020 and bupkis, zero, can't do it. Don't understand the virtual technology well enough yet to even remotely want to consider putting on something like what we put on this year. So talk about uh, that migration from 2019's event to how we got to 2021, Steve. Yeah, so um, I'm glad you bring that up because you know, when we had that uh, moment where we all got knocked off balance, when we found out that we were going to have to reinvent ourselves and how we did things, the big challenge I had for myself is how can I be sure that I run a one-hour Net meeting for my members on Zoom? It's going to do as much as possible to emulate the in-person experience, have all the same twists and turns, keep everybody engaged so they have multiple points of participating in the meeting, and I said, if I can translate what we did in person to doing it online, I think people will still get value from it. Uh, and a lot of people embraced it. A lot of people were a little afraid, a little concerned. They hadn't done a lot of it. Uh, but because they embraced it and because I showed them how and led, um, we have great groups still today. So then the next challenge that I asked myself as well, I could take a one-hour serious net meeting and put that onto Zoom, and they really are very much alike now, and there are even more benefits to doing that. So, but then I asked myself, I really miss the big party. I really miss getting everybody together that's of that same vibe where we all just, you know, go crazy because we love relationships and make things happen. Can we do Referraltopia like we did in person? Can we translate that to online? And I really think we did. Yeah, well, and that's a little bit of what we want to talk about because we want to get behind the, the scenes here and maybe look, take a look at the engine so that if other people are thinking about something similar, they can look at this particular interview and maybe glean a few things. So first and foremost, we did this exclusively on Zoom. So we didn't need to go purchase any other platform rights in order to be able to pull the event off. And I think for a lot of businesses, they have this belief that, oh, I'm gonna have to go learn a new platform in order to be able to pull off an event like this. So talk about how, from a mechanics perspective, Steve, we were able to create the event using the Zoom platform and have it still be an effective strategy. So a uh, couple things. Um, we, first and foremost, I probably researched four or five different platforms that were designed for an online expo. I'm sure Julie, Julie's familiar with a lot of them too. Chris Hankst, who was uh, a volunteer at Referraltopia, had presented some really cool platforms to me as well. And as we discussed, you know, our client is Main Street America client. We're trying to just give value, right? And uh, so we knew that if we had to find a five or a 10 or a $15,000 platform, there's no way we we're gonna be able to include everybody as little as free. Um, so then we said, okay, can Zoom do this? You know, Zoom is not designed for an expo. It's designed for a meeting. So then we had to get really creative, right? Like how could we lay it out so it's a bunch of Zoom rooms? Uh, we, we thought we were going to do it one way, maybe even up until about two months or a month before the event happened. And then after going through it, we're like, no, we can't do it that way. We need to do it this way now. So, you know, to me, I think that... Um, you know, it's just like being a super creative business person. You know, it's like when you're starting out in business, you, you just, you try to leverage as much as you can, right? To get 
to deliver your message and your value. And that's what we did. We leveraged uh, that the, the, the Zoom platform, A, because I, I knew that more people were going to be familiar with it. Right. And if, if not only if we would have had to learn how to use a whole new platform to do something like this, um, I was really worried about how would attendees respond if they had to learn a whole new platform to just do a one day event, it might not have worked as well. Julie, you know, what do you think about that? You're absolutely right, because anytime you add more complexity, something unknown, you're going to create so much hesitation and reluctancy. And we needed to tackle that barrier and figure out how to eliminate it. And, and I think it was absolutely brilliant, right? Because behind the scenes, nobody else knew what we had done to knit together all these different Zoom accounts, which, which we require, were required to, to pull this off. But what we showed the attendee was a beautiful landing page that had everything, even color coded. And it was so easy to navigate. So number one, we did that. And then number two, we said, we're gonna have a dedicated information desk that's live. And that was a brilliant decision because no matter who popped in, we could tackle anything. And we had some hiccups, you know, we had some hiccups, but because we'd already figured out how to communicate while everything was happening, the three of us stayed in sync the whole time and the hiccups were minimal, truly minimal. And having the ability then, this was my favorite part actually, because I had other volunteers in the information desk with me, this speaks to experience and I'll, I'll probably riff on that in a little bit, but I was able to jump in and out of all the rooms. Number one, to make sure that our exhibitors were doing okay, that they were comfortable, there were issues they had that we could solve, but also to observe the engagement that was going on in their rooms. And I felt like the good luck fairy because I was able to take a, some portion of the prizes we were saving to, to award and surprise people in the middle of their, their sessions. And their responses were amazing. I know it added to the experience. And that's truly, I'm loving that part of it. <laughs> Surprise and delight, for sure. That was, whenever you have a chance to just, we call it, Stan calls that land, yep. And we, we had Stan talk to us about it as part of the keynote that day. So we were really uh, intent on making sure that we had built some of those elements into uh, the event day. So Julie, talk to us about planning. How? What if, if someone's thinking about doing something like this, what would be your advice from a, tell them what we did from a planning perspective, like the frequency and the participation and kind of like how that process felt to you as the person who ultimately had to uh, drive the boat here? Well, everybody gets to start with concepts, right? And visions. And from there, you start really testing out what is truly possible. And I think we did a really good job at looking at big picture, here's what we would love to do, and then look at it with a, a, a different microscope that allowed us to really say, okay, here's what we believe we can do. And from there, we dove into how, how do we make it happen? And being able to methodically move through that process creates something that is a lot less stressful to begin with. The Lord knows we had our own stresses throughout, but that's okay, right? Anytime you're doing something new, you can expect to have anxiety, right? And that's okay. You just push through it and you get to the other side of it and you still create something amazing. But having differently skilled people in the planning group is also key. Having a process you work through, but then having a team that you can really rely on to divide and conquer 
because we really had to do that, of course, right? And we, we worked towards each of our strengths as well. And that's another reason that this event was such a massive success because of the different abilities we all brought. And then from there, the, the ability to work so smoothly together, right? Our egos were checked at the door. This was a heart-centered effort. It was a team effort. There was never a time when we were playing the blame game or creating other ridiculous you know, roadblocks. We got it done because we found a way to work together. We had a process and we played to our skills. No, no turf wars. There were no turf wars. And classic Steve Zaskowski, when there's an element of what we need from a tool set that we don't know, let's go get somebody who knows it and add them to the party so that we don't have to spend any more time trying to learn something that none of us knows. So, yeah. so yeah. that was great. Yeah. So, you know, to, to kind of answer real specifically uh, the question that you had, you know, what did we do? How would somebody else do something like this? Yep. The number one advice I have, and I got maybe three or four bullet points, is don't plan a virtual event like what we did by yourself. Do it with others and seek assistance. Seek a coach. Seek somebody to help you stay on track and meet frequently as you're, as you're doing the event, meet frequently, keep it fresh, keep it moving because there's so much to do. You can't leave it all to the end because even when you meet frequently and you're doing it all the time, you're still going to do a lot of stuff at the end. Right. I mean, so, so uh, the other thing I, I would say is track all of your participants, the attendants who's registering, have a way to track where people are coming from. How are they learning about it? And then that leads me to the next step, and that's get a lot of people involved in your event, right? So anybody that might be a speaker at an event, an, an exhibitor at the event, let them know how much their mailing list means to you in that event, right? I, I think that maybe we missed the mark on that just a little bit, even though we tried. I think we know that with this next year's event, everybody's going to be promoting the heck out of it. This, this last time we did it, People were not super clear on the vision and how it was going to work, but because it worked so well, now they're going to be, I think, really going to get behind it and gift the data to their customers and other things. And then the last thing uh, that I would say uh, regarding this is, um, you know, whatever you're going to do, uh, you got to have great messaging all the way through. I think messaging is super important. We provided a lot of great messaging. Roger donated a lot of his time to help the exhibitors understand how to exhibit. What does an interaction look like? And one of the coolest comments that I had from people, even though our first year event was so awesome, and it was when we did it in person, more people said to me they think they liked this version even better, that it was so cool to just be able to click around on a screen and then boom, you're magically in front of somebody's expo, speaking to that person, watching somebody make a glass straw, learning about accountability coaching, you know, just so cool. So, um, you know, this is not rocket science, but it's not something that a person should really try to do alone. Yeah, that's sage advice. What you're doing, what we were trying to do was build a platform for our members. We were not trying to do anything other than educate, inform, entertain, and inspire the people who are already in our community and give them a chance to see how their participation in something bigger than themselves is actually manifest in an event. And then to add that in-person 
you know, uh, afterglow to, for those who were interested to then get together and celebrate the energy that we experienced during the course of the day it was just such an incredible cap off to the event. But we're salespeople here. So let's talk a little bit about like, how the hell do you sell one of these things, Steve? So when it came down to the actual nuts and bolts of getting it sold, let's talk about how we organize our efforts in order to try to make that piece of it be a success. So when we're talking about selling it, are we talking about selling it to the people that were involved in making it happen, the attendees? What, what we were we doing? Sponsors, we needed exhibitors, yeah. we needed people to help yeah, so us pay for what it was we were trying to accomplish. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this obviously the event was a, a tremendous success. Maybe not so much in terms of being a major moneymaker, but just a major value generator. And, you know, if you generate enough value, the money is going to come after that, right? So the, the reason I mention that is because the people that uh, went to Referraltopia, I can't tell you how many times now since that day, people have said to me, I've got meetings scheduled next week, the week after, and the week after that. And they're all people that I met at Referraltopia. So anybody that thinks you cannot grow your business or that you can't network or build authentic relationships with people just because you're on a screen, you're really short selling yourself. And it's going to be the people that really expand their mindset and leverage this that are going to be the ones that keep propelling their business forward. So uh, I don't know if that answered your question <laughs> or not, but uh, you know, from my standpoint, I think that selling this uh, was easy because a lot of people were really desiring and craving that creating new connections, getting their business in front of people. And it, we have enough risk takers in CirrusNet and people that are ready to try something new. And that's because we have a history and a track record of when we do try something, most of the time it goes over well. I've had a couple where they weren't so great, but most of the time we really impress. So I think that that reputation helped. Well, and so from a pure mechanics perspective, uh, we used YouTube. So we did a lot of uh, recording of videos that we could share as informational, as well as some explainer videos to help people feel like they could be as best prepared for the event as possible. And then we had a, a text message based campaign that was going on via SMS. Yep. So Eloisa Underwood with Perk Pros, a SiriusNet member, helped us do the text message marketing for the event. That was awesome. And I think that's great to communicate with people throughout the day. Simplero uh, was the website that we use to track how are people learning about the event, right? And to keep track of revenue, keep track of other things. And the great thing about that program is, you know, you can dial it up when you get closer to the event and need a lot of robust features. And then you can dial it back down in between events so it's not costing you a fortune. Yeah, and then the last piece, last element of this mix was social media. And we were utilizing uh, Facebook and LinkedIn primarily were our two uh, channels that we were utilizing in addition to YouTube videos to try to yep. promote the event. I would say if I, and I'll ask each of you as we get ready to wrap this up, um, what might be one of the ways that we might do it even a little bit better next year? One of the things that I would suggest that we found out was a, a, a set it and forget it strategy on social media does not work. So you have to be very intentional about where you share the information about the event on those platforms. And if you can do it in the form of a personal plea to be able to explain to the person why you want them to the, attend the event, especially if 
You can be specific about the value you think they're going to realize as a result of their participation. Once we started dialing that in, I thought we did a better job of getting conversions into registrations. So if there were any advice that I would give to anyone about helping to sell the event, I would say doing it in a more purposeful, individual kind of way would be my advice. What say each of you? What would be a couple other things that you think we could do for 2022 to make it even that much better? I will speak into the unstructured time. We had an amazing result of structuring elements beautifully. And people had the freedom to click and join whatever they wanted to. And so by default, there was gonna be some downtime. And what we didn't do was really look at how do we support our attendees in the downtime. And so one suggestion that came in on that day, which was brilliant, and we're definitely doing this next time, is we're gonna create at least one other room where anybody can drop in at any point in between that isn't the help desk, right? But it's a space for that organic connection to still unfold throughout the day. And I love that suggestion and guaranteed we're doing that next time. Yeah, that's a great one, Julie. And, and to adding to that, really the only thing I would do is make the event a little bit longer, starting at eight in the morning or 8.30 and going until four o'clock, simply because I had so many people tell me they couldn't believe that a six hour day just zipped by them like that. I mean, normally when you hear about somebody being on a six hour Zoom call, you're like thinking, are they smashing their head into the screen? <laughs> but, you know, people had so much fun at this. So I think making it a little bit longer, maybe doing an afternoon intermission for everybody for 30 minutes, I think would just be the perfect format and kind of iron out a few of those records. So there you have it, folks. Looking forward to the next Referraltopia where none of us are going to own up to when that's going to be because it might be sooner than you think. Maybe we'll see. Who Fe knows? Fe save the date. Save the date. February 3, 2022. 2322. Two, two. There you have it. Julie, thank you. Steve, thank you so much. Thank I you, Roger. Thank you. Hopefully our uh, listeners and uh, viewers will get some value out of this and we'll see some other really fun events that get put on by members. So until then, take care. Thank you very much. See you guys later. Congratulations. You guys were an awesome bye team. Bye. <laughs> he hung up on the call and he left. <laughs> That's the thing about being the host, right? You did that one time, I think, when we were meeting. That's right. to... <laughs> oh my goodness. So did we do this until 4.30? I think we did this until... I think that was what we budgeted. It was just till four. Till four, okay. So then I've got Kevin at four o'clock. Okay, perfect. Yep, and I've got a four o'clock too, so I better hop over there. Thanks for all you do. And hopefully that check hasn't received you yet. It should be any second. So anytime That's I put in a new person to buy bill pay, there's a little soft time. So it should be- all good. All right, I appreciate it, sweetie. Thank bye you. Bye now. Bye. Okay, bye. What's really amazing to me is to consider the fact that we were able to pull that entire event off using Zoom and not making any additional investment in platform or any other uh, expense that we would have maybe taken on if we wanted to try to do something in a different sort of way, but to just rely on what we already knew and to use the platform to the best of our ability was really a collaboration and uh, a sense of trust that was built between and amongst the group in trying to do this in a way that we could minimize the cost and therefore pass on free tickets to attendees 
so that we made it so that it wasn't really about the money that needed to be spent, but more could we bring you a sizable return on your time investment. So we think we did. We hope that it was an enjoyable experience for those of you who attended. And I anticipate that we will have another one of these events sometime this fall. So if you didn't get a chance, please be on the lookout on my social media accounts for an invitation to Referraltopia 2 2021 edition. And we will make sure to get an even bigger crowd of people networking and sharing value with one another in the next event. So if you enjoyed this discussion, please be feel free to share it around with other people who you think may want to create an event for themselves and have everyone subscribe. If you've not subscribed already or written us a review, please do so as it is your contributions to that part of what we do that makes it capable of us to be able to go out and get guests like the ones that we had today. I look forward to our next show. Until then, this is Roger signing off.